Hey everyone, welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner and I am your rock chenier. Uh You know, I mean, listen, it is gorgeous outside. Uh, we really should be doing this outside at this time of year. It's that pre-spring. Well, I don't even know if it's pre-spring, but your cars, if you live in Atlanta, your cars are now yellow. I don't care what color they were. Um, we got a great show for you. I do want to remind everyone, <clears throat> if you go back to coffeeconnections.live, you can see all 66 of our shows. They're there, links to the YouTube channel, etc. Lots of great insights there uh, and coming up as well. And coming up, uh, we've got uh, a the rest of the month is booked out solid uh, from this month till May. So lots of uh, good stuff coming your way. And, you know, fundraisers out there, uh, folks that are putting on events, don't be afraid to ask when you're doing that fund to need in that in your room. Uh, make sure your development directors are there to, to talk to the guests and your supporters because you just never know what will happen. I share this because the other night I was doing the Skank Schools auction uh, in Gala. Really, really great school, great program. And they just motivated and really moved some of the folks there that we had two anonymous donors come out of nowhere. One came up with a $100,000 match and the other a $25,000 gift. So that was $125,000 potential. Uh, and they were able to get that match. People in the room uh, raised those paddles high and wide, and, and they really did a great job that night. But my point, again, you never know. So don't be afraid to ask. But that's not why you're here. You're here because of today's guest. So let's jump into it. Uh, today's guest is Kelly Brownlow with First Step Staffing. Now, she's the Vice President of Development and Community Relations for First Step Staffing, which is an uh, employment social enterprise. Their mission is to empower the undeserved populations on the path out of homelessness and poverty through immediate employment. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring her into the show here so she can tell you more about what she does and what the organization does. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Kelly. Hi. Great. Hey, Seth. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, well, wait a second. You're already jumping to it. You've got coffee, I can see. What are you drinking I there? Do. I am drinking my cold brew. For the ah, all right, all right. Brew. I am a bit of a coffee snob. I have my own Keurig in my office because I don't like coffee out of a regular coffee machine. And I drink it black, so I drink really good coffee. So this is this Stoke is the best cold cold brew you can find. Interesting. You ever do you brew at home your cold brew? Um... I do. I have an espresso at home, and so there's a cold brew pod you can do. And that's so in the mm -hmm. summer, I do a lot of cold brew. In the morning, I usually start with a hot brew. And I also drink coffee all day. <laughs> okay, wow. I can't do coffee. After, I'm like a gremlin. I can't do coffee afternoon. <laughs> it almost doesn't impact me. I, I, I'm like, I could probably drink coffee before bed. Mm, wow. Fine. I mean, it, it just, it doesn't, I, I feel like it doesn't impact me. But it's that, with that said, I also won't drink decaf because I'm like, what's the point? So... Yeah, that that I I do like the taste of coffee though. I've been I've been enjoying um I've been doing this intermittent fasting lately, so yeah. uh, which is great, but I don't drink and I'm I'm not a big cream person. I do this like a little almond milk, but um yeah. but now I'm just drinking the coffee black and I've discovered wow, I actually really like the taste of the coffee black. I don't even want the cream now. That's how I st I started drinking it black through intermittent fasting. Same thing. Uh, and that's I really funny. Enjoyed, I realized I liked it too, and that's when I switched to the Nespresso. Ah, all right. It makes a real smooth black coffee, real smooth. And if you got to go and get a coffee in town, what's your spot? Um, Duncan. Ah, all I'm, right. I'm from, I'm from the Northeast, and, and 
Duncan is our best friend, Duncan Donuts. There, where I grew up, there was five within one mile of my house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I've got one across the street that, that uh, I don't know if I pay more rent or pour, more for coffee. I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> I know. And now with the apps, it makes it so easy and uncontrollable. Like you just, you think it's always loaded, even though I'm the one loading that money in the app. <laughs> but the rewards though, I do, you know, I mean, if you, when you hit the reward, it's just like, ah, it's free. All right. I know, exactly. Forget that I spent $150 to get it free, but, but it's yeah, free. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, oh, I've just got endless money on here. But I'm <laughs> putting it on there from my bank account. Well, uh, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Tell everyone about First Step, First Step Staffing, please. Sure, sure. Um, I like to always start the story about First Step, uh, talking about how we were founded, because I think it's a real cool story and speaks to our mission and journey. Um, First Step Staffing was founded here in Atlanta in 2007 by an entrepreneur named Greg Block. Uh, Greg had always wanted to start a nonprofit. His family were nonprofit leaders all growing up in Ohio. And so, um, but Greg wanted the foundation first to be able to start that nonprofit. So he was a successful entrepreneur, sold his companies at the, at the age of 40 in 2007 for a couple hundred million dollars. Um, and then decided to pursue his dream of, of, of making a difference in the community. Um, he didn't really have a personal passion uh, at that time. So he went around Atlanta and talked to city leaders, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, and said, you know, what, what is a challenge that you just cannot seem to get your arms around and, and come up with a, a workable solution to? And basically, to the person, they said homelessness. And so being the typical entrepreneur that he is, he went and looked into what's being done around homelessness and why it's not working um, and, what's, and or what's missing. And so what he found was that most of the housing, most of the homelessness solutions involve housing and pretty much housing only. Sometimes it's called housing first, but it was a lot of housing um, solutions and it would be, you know, subsidized, you know, maybe no rent for a little bit, uh, low cost, but that didn't stay in place forever. And so through his research, he found that once those housing subsidies went away, the individuals couldn't maintain housing because they had no income. Well, why didn't they have an income? They didn't have an income because individuals facing homelessness have barriers to um, securing a job the traditional way. And those barriers include anything from parental backgrounds, no permanent address, um, not having worked for a long time, so lack of job skills, um, you know, so, so multiple barriers to getting a job. And so what Greg did was like, well, he looked into a bunch of different social enterprises, which uh, so employment social enterprises is when you're looking to um, employ those with barriers to scaring employment. And he looked at maybe doing a landscaping company and dry cleaning, but basically each of those per person, you know, would cost like one of them was a million dollars per person. So, you know, he'd only be able to help. I mean, basically they were too much, too expensive and not enough scale. So what he did was he started first step staffing. So traditional staffing company. Only the people that we place in jobs are people at risk of or experiencing homelessness, uh, people recently incarcerated, and um, other people with other barriers to employment, chronic poverty, um, things like that. And so, um, you know, as you mentioned, our mission is to empower individuals 
out of homelessness and poverty and into self-sufficiency. And we do that through immediate employment, uh, transportation to and from work, and then connection to other um, essential uh, needs and services that individuals in these circumstances also need to be connected to, uh, to, to develop a holistic path out of homelessness and poverty. Um, our vision is to become America's job solution to homelessness. So I'll get to that in a minute on, on how we're doing that. Um, but how we operate is like a traditional staffing company. So we have a sales team that goes out and secures uh, customers who need, us to, who need first step to help place people in their jobs. Uh, we focus on light industrial, pick and pack, mail sorting. Our goal is um, to have jobs that individuals can succeed at immediately. Um, lots of people ask like, what's our training? And we say it's on the job. So if, if a client comes in here today, they will um, go through orientation, uh, take a drug test that day, two forms of ID, and they will have a job within 24 to 48 hours. Um, like I said, we provide transportation to and from work. That's obviously a major barrier for these populations in, in securing and retaining employment. Um, we provide ongoing job coaching. So we say we are the first step, but we give you a second chance, third chance, fourth chance. So lots of these men and women come in and you know, if you've been in prison for 25 years, um, your soft skills probably are not up to par. And so you don't know that if you don't like an assignment, you can't just walk off at three o'clock. And so if we get a call from the employer that that has happened, we will work with the individual to, um, you know, A, go through, well, you can't just do that. And if, if you don't like the assignment, you need to stick with it, but call us and we can reassign you, but you can't just walk off, but we will reassign them. Um, our goal is for them to develop a stable path to self-sufficiency, and we do everything um, that we can to help help them achieve that. Uh, we Our clients come to us from other nonprofits. So we are, the success of our clients and our the, our success is, is based heavily on relationships with other nonprofits. Um, so it's like a cross-referral. So nonprofits that work in housing, you know, number one, food security, mental health, health care, child care. Um, we rely on them to refer clients to us for work. And then we refer our clients out for those other services that they might need. And it varies by client. Um, and so that's really, that's our base model uh, that we started here in Atlanta in 2007. So from 2007 to 2015, we were playing about 100 people a week here out of Atlanta, you know, I think about 700 total a year. Um, in 2015, our founder, who was still very much engaged, uh, learned that he had terminal cancer. And so as hard as he fought cancer, he fought to achieve the vision he had set out of becoming America's job solution to homelessness. And so while I think our approach is innovative, um, our approach to scaling our organization to become national uh, was real innovative. So in 2015, uh, First Step acquired a staffing firm here in Atlanta. So we went from employing 600 individuals a week, 100 individuals a week to 600. Uh, we also then acquired a staffing firm in Philadelphia and in Los Angeles. And then we grew with customers organically with national accounts into Orlando, Trenton, and Nashville. So from 2015 to 2020, we went from one location in Atlanta um, employing 100 people a week to um, nine locations across six different um, parts of the country. And last year, uh, we employed 8,094 uh, individuals 
5,576 of them were actually experiencing homelessness. They earned 57.1 million in wages, uh, and we provided 77,000 rides to and from work. And so that's kind of the high-level overview of, of who we are. I don't know if you have any questions about that or any blanks I can fill in. Yeah, well, first of all, that's super, super impressive. Um, <clears throat> the growth is incredible. Uh, not a lot of nonprofits are able to grow that quickly uh, and sustain it. Um, let's let's go back to the beginning, though. Define homelessness. If you if, because homelessness for m most people think is the guy in the street under the subway. I mean, under the um, yep. you know overpass. Can you define? So we a little use the McKenny Vento definition of homelessness, which is um, it could be anything from that guy on the street, and we do get a lot of people literally straight off the street to someone living in their car, to um, maybe couch surfing, living, living on someone's couch. So basically doesn't have a stable, doesn't have stable shelter every night. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then staffing wise, is, uh, you mentioned a little bit about um, career oriented staffing. I'm curious, is it... Um, do you do like is temp labor as well, or is it like where you know music festival comes through town and you're helping staff the security and the concessions, or is it more skill set that's uh, like you said, uh, be it Amazon or whatnot? It is. It's warehouse logistics, um, light industrial, and so we we are literally like a regular staffing firm. Now we do do some entertainment with some of the ballparks around here, but. Um, mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, the, the cleaning and stuff like that. But that's uh, that's a small piece of what we do. We're, we are a light industrial staffing company and we compete with uh, our private sector peers. Uh, mm -hmm. We have the same markup rates, the same. We operate in the same way. I think one thing that distinguishes us, though, is our transportation program, because not only right. can we bring you 30 people tonight, we're going to make sure they get there. And is that a bus that's going to pick up people in their homes or is they are they all nope. meeting up in one location and they come meet at our we have a transportation dispatch center right here on Auburn Avenue and they come mm -hmm. meet here. I think we have nine vans. It's a partnership with Enterprise Rideshare. Oh, okay. And mm -hmm. and then we get them to and from work from our, our location. And what about the success rate? You've got all these folks that you know that are coming in, get you said you've you've got a, a good um, forgiveness policy or co but coaching wise but what's the success rate how many people are moving on and actually getting you know sustainable uh, sustainable careers yep so um we look at success in two ways the first is 60 to 90 day retention right so you think about where these individuals are coming from and and you know just like you and i there's any job we start it's usually about a 90 day phase where you know they're going to be successful so I want to say our last one was 67%, which is pretty good. So at 60 to 90 days, we want them to be in a position to either secure full-time employment with one of our customers or be ready to go out there because they ha now have the skills and the, and the experience and the dignity of work um, to get a job elsewhere. And so we measure 60 to 90 days. And even if they stay with us, we sometimes, we do track that. And I want to say last year we had like 600 that were in our our uh with our customers but the jobs that we fill are you know we say quote unquote temporary mm -hmm. but lots of the jobs that we're filling we are the staff for so they don't have the company doesn't have any temporary positions so we have you know one customer who they have five employees for we we have 400 people placed there mm -hmm. and so they could work for us for you know six years if they want to like we have one gentleman here who 
he he's been with us six years now. He served 38 years for murder, so he will never be able to get a job anywhere else. He's one of our best employers, employees. He's a supervisor now. Um, but, you know, on paper, it shows temporary work. Right. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's interesting. Then. Uh, so what what about your staffing? I mean, you mentioned you, you you're coaching these folks along and whatnot, but how how large of a staff does it take to manage staff? So we have here in Atlanta in our base office, we have six job coaches. So they do the placement and then they will get the calls from the customer that says, you know, this guy keeps on coming late, you know, and they'll call them in um, and and find out why they're late. I will tell you, one of the innovative things we're piloting in Atlanta is my team. Where you see that community relations. I've got five people and um, their jobs are the job coach will send them over and say they're late because, you know, they have to pick up their kids at school, right? Mm -hmm. So we will work with them on, all right, do we need to get you another placement? Um, how, where are your kids at school? Maybe we can get you a martyr card. But my team is the support services team that looks at that um, basically, how do we, what I say is we have the job coaches who place you in a job and my team is the, is the how do we retain that job? Um, over time. And so mm -hmm. we work with them individually and, and we're actually about to launch a pretty big capacity campaign uh, to launch the same model in every other location within five years. And how large are these other locations uh, in comparison to Atlanta? Um, well, Philadelphia outgrew Atlanta last year. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. So Philadelphia is, is larger. So Philadelphia and LA are, um, to put it into perspective, Last year in Atlanta, we employed um, 2,400 people, and Philadelphia was just over 3,000. Mm -hmm. um, Los Angeles was 1,500. And then Orlando and Nashville and Trenton are, are pr pretty small. Um, what's really cool is Orlando, we just started last within one year, and we've had um, 244 people work last year, and every single one of them were actively homeless from shelters. Wow. Yeah. So what would you say would be the most innovative thing that you've done or the organization has done that you're proud of? Um, you know, I think we're, we're about to, I think our model is pretty innovative actually. That's, that's one thing I, I talk to mm -hmm. a lot of people about. I think the, when you think about homelessness and again, even if you Google homelessness solutions right now, you're going to find housing, housing, housing in, in, California, that's all they talk about. And that is absolutely a, a part of the equation. Housing is a part of the equation, but income is equally important because you can't have one without the other. And that, that applies to you and I too. You mm -hmm. know, if you, you stop, if you are unable to pay your mortgage, eventually you're not going to have a house. And typically if you're unsheltered, it's hard to maintain a job and income. So how, so how do you coach these folks that, um, to get them ahead. So, I mean, if they're, if they're working, if they're doing the work, they go, they make some money, but in order for them to get ahead, to be able to get that down payment, to be able to get that cushion, to be able to cover whatever unforeseen things, how do you get them there? Um, are you, are you coaching your, uh, your folks there? Yeah. Well, so there's a couple of things. One is don't forget everybody who walks through our door wants to work. Mm -hmm. They are just not, they are, they, they can't get into the system any other way. Right. And so what's interesting is in trying to make this, this argument that I'm talking to you about, about income is as important as housing. Um, when I first started as development, you know, VP of development, I said, well, let's go around and interview 
all of our clients, you know, go on site and ask them what a paycheck means to them and, or what a, what a job means to them. And really what I thought was I was going to get a bunch of sound bites of these people talking about how important income is and a paycheck to, to be able to afford housing and get their basic needs met. Not a single person said a paycheck. Dignity, hope, confidence, opportunity, security, um, it just means so much to them. So they're self-motivated when, when they come in here. And the fact that we say yes, you know, I, I tell funders all the time, we say yes to the people to whom everyone else is saying no. And we are screening in the people everyone else is screening out, especially other staffing firms. And so- oh, That's an interesting point. Yeah, and they are. So, I mean, there's a lot of self-motivation there, but then on the support services side, we have varying levels of, um, Resource navigation is what we call it. So it's not case management, but it's resource navigation. So um, we basically will give them an assessment, do an individualized plan. And what we find are the two most needed services are housing. So we do a lot of connection to housing and then financial literacy and empowerment. So 86% mm -hmm. of our clients are unbanked when they walk through our door. And so we have multiple uh, financial partners because we like them to be able to choose. So we won't go exclusive with anyone. We, they should be able to choose just like you and I um, to get them, you know, s starting out, just getting them banked. Yeah. But then depending on the level that they need, what is that? What does that look like in terms of being able to afford housing? Mm -hmm. If that basic needs food, childcare, what does that look like? And so my, that is really what my team does on an individual basis. And again, if they if they want it, yeah. they, they come to us. Our whole goal, like self-sufficiency is you'll, if you're with me one day talking to funders, you'll hear that 400 times a day <laughs> because that's really our goal is self-sufficiency. So that's, that's why we don't case manage. We want them to do it for themselves. So we might lay out the plan and say, okay, this is where you need to go to get connected, to get your GED. And here's, here's the number, here's the address. Do you need a MARTA card? Okay. We, then we'll call them and find out, well, did you go? No. Mm -hmm. Why? What was that other, what barrier was in your way there? Okay. How do we overcome that barrier? Let's do that together, but they need to do it. Mm -hmm. Now that makes a lot of sense, but that's, yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's a different approach for sure. And what about during COVID? Like I mean, your staffing must numbers, did it go up or down? Because, you know. It's, uh, um, there was still work to be had, but there's, a, I mean, the world did shut down also. It did. So, so most of our customers are considered essential um, services. So the, where we're placing jobs, so like mail sorting, shipping, that was huge during COVID. Um, we do a lot of um, bakery stuff. So in the, like the, where they're manufacturing the, the big products that they're sending out. So, so we did not lose many customers and placing people in jobs. But what we did, um, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty with clients in the beginning, right? So getting people to actually go to work. Um, and we understood that uncertainty was going to be there. Um, and then also, we had to change a lot of how we did business, like I just told you about the vans. So we usually put 15 people in the vans. Well, in the very beginning, we could only put six. So we had to oh, change yeah. how we were doing that. We had to change how we were doing orientation. The way we do it is nine o'clock every day here in Atlanta. We have orientations. There are usually lines out the door. Um, and so we had to do more of those because we couldn't fit everybody in the room. Um, and so we, I mean, we struggled a little bit with having more jobs than we had people to place in jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, but also we were one of the very, very few nonprofits that did not close or go virtual. 
because most of our clients don't even have this. So there's, it's, they can't just go virtual. Right. And so right. we, we, in that respect, um, one of the struggles we had too was connecting them to those other services that I talked about earlier, because so many even like the food security for a long time, they didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And then they started putting out like bagged lunches where you used to be able to go in and grab groceries. Right. And, and how do most, if, if not everyone has, uh, I mean, I, I guess most people probably have phones, but I mean, even, even so you still got to pay for a phone. So, uh, there are you just, is it old school style scheduling printed up? You got to see it on the wall or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally a lot of people do not have phones. Now we have a way if they're on assistance, to connect them to getting a phone or if they have a phone to your point they don't pay for it so people ask us about follow-up with our clients well if they can't pay for it then all of a sudden they get a new number um it, right. when i tell you that the people we serve and this is the other innovative thing i i think about and love about first step staffing is we are literally serving individuals who are otherwise left behind and so mm -hmm. a lot of times and especially in the most recent years we've heard a lot about economic inclusion and diversity and inclusion. Um, and I, those are necessary discussions to have. Um, and especially when it comes to the workplace, but the people we serve are not part of that discussion because they're not allowed into the system because of the barriers they have. 94% of those 8,000 men and women we served last year represented mm -hmm. minority populations, 94%. Mm -hmm. And so these are people that are otherwise locked out. Of, of even being part of any of this. So I think for us, we are, we are, you know, I said to one funder, I said, so last year we employed 8,000 individuals. Let's be really conservative and say 4,000 failed. I, that is not true, but let's just be really conservative. Okay. 4,000 men and women that we helped put on a path out of poverty and homelessness would either be dead or on the streets. I mean, that's the, that is when they come to us. We had a couple of people last week, Someone who'd been in jail 25 years, 35 years, they came straight to us, hmm. literally, that very first day, right to us. If we, if they didn't have us to come to, where would they right. be? No, that's that's right. Now, what about um, if they're coming to you off the streets, uh, is there, what about hygiene in terms of getting folks to be presentable for work? Yep. So couple of things is we do have a couple of partners that we will send to if they need basic hygiene, if they're not coming from a shelter, if they are coming from off the street, yeah. we provide uniforms, steel toe boots, khakis, what, what you need to go to work mm -hmm. um, as well. So if you need that, we provide it. We have actually a nonprofit clothing provider right next door that helps with that along the way. Um, mm. And then in some of our locations, like in Orlando, we have a nonprofit that has showers, like they're, they have showers and wash machines in, in like a trailer that you can do it right there. But yes, absolutely. With hygiene, we will send them to our partners to get them sorted out and straightened out. And then we'll, um, you know, give them whatever else they need to, to get to work and have the tools in hand to succeed at work. And this didn't exist before. I mean, there's, this was, this was a big space. I mean, it's a really, really a big thing that you all are doing. Um, yeah. And, there and it costs, other, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. There are other no. employment, social enterprises, but a lot of them, the difference is um, that they have a lot of training, like, you know, four to eight weeks of training. And, and I tell people, I have a master's degree and I've been had I've had a 25 year career. If I go to take my next job and they say, you're going to take eight weeks training, I'm going to say, mm -hmm. ah, and think about for these folks who they need to meet basic needs immediately. Right. right. So we we have immediate employment um, and we also 
work with private customers. If you find the other employment social enterprises, they either work with government or they, they are of themselves, they make candles or something, right? So it's just, it's a much smaller scale. And our founder was way too visionary for that. I mean, he, he, was, he wanted to serve thousands and thousands and thousands. And so that we will do. Wow, that's, that's incredible. So to serve these folks, being a nonprofit, how do y'all make money? Are you making money off of the employees? Are you raising money through grants, fund, uh, foundations? Talk a little bit about sure. the money. <laughs> so um, in another, another distinguishable, um, attractive thing to most of our funders is that we are 94% earned revenue. So 94% of our $68 million budget comes from the customers who hire us to place people in jobs. And that's how we pay all of the wages and, and the administrative costs that come with that. Um, the other 6%, when it comes to covering transportation, the support services, getting the uniforms, all of that is raised through philanthropy. And uh, we are highly, most of our philanthropy comes from foundations. We have a little bit of government money um, where we'll partner with local governments in a couple of places. And we have some state SNAP and ENT dollars. Um, but it's primarily through foundations. Um, we actually, and we have a very small individual donor base as well. And so that's something that we're hoping to build up uh, over the next couple of years. Like I said, we're doing a $25 million capacity campaign uh, wow. that we will be kicking off this year. And when I say capacity, it really is um, like organizational restructure and then organizational growth. We wanna fast forward this support services piece, which we think is key to job retention and and so we don't want to wait 10 years to raise that money we want to raise it now and get it going yeah and folks you can you can participate in that by going to firststepstaffing.com and you can make a donation there there's a tab tell you all about it uh so definitely check that out firststepstaffing.com but that's a that's a big initiative to to all right are you ready for that do you have a, we're getting there yeah, yeah. We, we've we're, we're, we've done some soft um, soft launch stuff. Uh, we really hope to kick it off this summer. Uh, and like I said, it'll be a national campaign. Mm -hmm. So this will be, um, Atlanta is the headquarters. So it's run out of Atlanta, but we're going to be, uh, seeking some national funders and also some local funders in places where we hope to grow. Mm -hmm. Well, that's wonderful. Um, this is, it's uh, so much, I, it, you know, if someone just sees first step staffing, they don't really know exactly what that's about. But once you start digging in there, it's, it's quite a lot. So, um, I commend you for all the work that you all are doing and helping out so many individuals just that don't, don't get the help elsewhere. So this is really great. Uh, before I let you go, uh, is there anything that we forgot about that you wanted to mention? Um, no, I think, I think that's, I think we've covered everything. All right. I think a nonprofit for you. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, gotta, I always ask my guests if there's a nonprofit they want to recommend for Coffee Connections. Who do you want to recommend? Okay. Have you heard of Free 99 Fridge? No. Okay. Really cool organization. And, I, and they actually started during 2020. Uh, and again, it, it goes along with First Step. You know, our, we, are, we pride ourselves on, on restoring dignity for those mm -hmm. who need us most. And um, Free 99 Fridge is this project where they have fridges set up at like churches and restaurants all across Atlanta. I mean, they started with hmm. two and now I think they have 20 and where you just go in, you, you put the food in the fridge and in the pantry and people who need it, just go and get it as they need it, what they need to, to make a meal um, or you know to get a couple of things for the week. But it's, you don't have to check in, you just go in 
you pick it up and the whole goal is is dignity there should be dignity people in need also should have there should be dignity in the process of helping them get what they need um, and so it's it's a really really cool concept and personally my my family does grocery shopping about once a month and, and drops it off at the one near us that's incredible. Yeah, I'd love to be introduced to that. That's uh, so. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm looking at their website, so I'm excited to uh, learn more about them. So I, I thank you for your time. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you and learning all about first step staffing. Uh, and uh, let's close by just letting everyone know this week uh, we've got Jose Helps coming up. We've got the Women's Resource Center to end domestic violence. Also, Trinity Stables, uh, the Rylander Theater. And these are, by the way, all women guests. Uh, so I guess it kind of goes in line with, uh, uh, I think, well, March was Women's Month. So we're going to keep it going. <laughs> and then uh, in uh, later in April, we've got Amplified Decatur. We've got our rescheduled Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation and uh, Kids Boost and more. So we'll see you. Coffee Connections.live. Thanks, everyone.